Chapter 2 The Three Kingdoms When we rose, the first ray of the sun had come over the horizon. I woke up with a smile on my face when I turned over, opened my eyes, and there I saw him. How did I get so lucky to have met you, White Buffalo? We're fascinated by words, but where we meet is in the silence behind them said the white buffalo. That's when I realized that something magical had changed. When I looked at the white buffalo, today he had streaks of green, blue, and teal in his mane. Hey, your hair is different colors. Now how'd you do that? Well, everything changes. Everybody knows that, said the white buffalo. He was an exquisite animal, totally unique. And so we rose up for the day when we bowed to the earth before I took a seat. I started making my smoke signals, like I always do. I like to write some fables in the morning, just to see what the dreams and mind stream has put my soul through. And so I clashed my flint together and started working on signals of the smoke. There I took a picture on my phone to upload on the instant gram, where this message held a unique code. Maybe today was the day where my messages would go viral. Maybe today they'd ripple out and reach all the fine fellows. And so I decided I'd transmit a few messages out to the world. But then the white buffalo poked me with a stick and spoke. No need for it. You can put the smoke signals out, said the white buffalo. Oh, I'm sorry, but this is my ritual. A ritual? Well, what's it for? I'm sending messages to the world, and these are a collection of fables and allegories. I send smoke signals because I'm trying to reach whoever might be listening, so that they can tune into my stories. The white buffalo looked shocked. Well, if you keep sending smoke, then someone might find us, he said. Yeah, and if they do, maybe these stories will make me famous. The white buffalo walked away. Then he paced back and forth. I stopped putting sticks on the fire, just in case the smoke signals didn't need any more. The mind is a receiver. It doesn't produce thoughts. We're tuning into the universe, not putting things out. Now we can transform what comes in, and we can transmit messages back out with our mouth. We can use drums, songs, and mantras, but there's no need to send signals and look for results. So let me ask you, do you know who you are? asked the white buffalo. I shrugged. Maybe not. In you there is a seer. So what are you doing trying to attract people out here? It's like putting your footprints in the snow. They'll last for a little bit, but eventually they're going to fade before it melts. And you've got to be careful with your tracks. No need to attract anyone else. And if you become famous, well, that's not a good idea. You've got all the gifts you need right in front of you. Sure, you can share your stories with others, but no need to attract people to you. We'll get the morals of the stories in the world, but there's nothing you need to force or do. And I promise you, kiddo, you don't want to become famous because you don't want them to find you, said the white buffalo. But isn't it too bad 
that people in the steel mills don't read poetry? Why is it that so many people are distracted on their phones and don't seem to care for good fables and stories? You have to respect everyone's life movement. And in some cases, people have a calling to discover an extreme need for poetry. These are the ones who have felt the loss, heartbreak, devastation, and ruin. And when this happens, fables and storytelling aren't just comfort, but they're a necessity. They need poetry. They might not be receiving the kind of spiritual instructions from the churches, and so you can trust they'll come to find the poetry. Or they need to come to their senses again, and so they come to poetry. Or they find more feeling in a poem, and they get in touch with their feelings more so than from a sermon or a TV show. So when you write a fable, a story, or a poem, you don't want mainstream to broadcast it to a hundred million people, but rather you leave the poems on the side of the road, and someone may come along when the wind blows, then notice your words, then they'll pick up your poem. If poetry comes to the point at which it's liked by everyone in a steel mill, then its intensity has gone. Then it's been invaded by the masses, and will have lost another art form to the mainstream collective. Poetry is in a healthy position when the collective is not making demands on it. Just drop your stories on the side of the road, let the winds carry them, and the stories and fables will find the right home. Trust me on this, poetry is always best homegrown, said the white buffalo. I didn't know what he was on to, but I'd trust him for now, and so I turned my phone off and tossed it into the fire. It was time to live a pure and simple life, without all the notifications, stories, reels, tweets, and news feeds that seemed to be weighing me down. Now as the smoke signals went out, I was left staring upon the earth. Aha! This is rebirth, said the white buffalo. What do you mean? We die when we sleep, and that's why we dream. Our spirit leaves the body. It goes off to explore. And then when we wake up, we try to see what it all means. You're learning to be present, not trying to push your thoughts out. Yes, be here now, and that's how you'll learn what life is all about. You see, I've died so many times, and I forget more than I remember. But out of all the things I've ever learned, it was the mystical forest fairy who taught me how to surrender, said the white buffalo. A forest fairy? Yep, she's the golden queen of curiosity. So in time we'll go see her, but don't you worry. She's hard to find if you were to go looking. But she'll come out to play as long as you stay near me, he said. And are you the only white buffalo? There's one for sure, but maybe there are two. It just depends on how brave a soul is and what they're willing to go through, said the white buffalo. And what did you go through? I've gone through a bit, but never did I quit. Say, do you ever think in ways you've never thought before? If the phone rings, can you think of it as carrying a message larger than anything you've ever heard? Because that message could come from across the earth. Oh, how could you be bored? Maybe it's your mother, 
or your brother just calling to say hello? Or what if it's a friend who wants to take you on a trip? Then what do you say? Said the white buffalo. Well, let's go. But I just threw my phone in the fire. Aha! Don't be a liar. The real phone is in the heart and mind. Just send out a mental signal, and the right person will find it in time, said the white buffalo. Is that so? Yes, now you know. And imagine if someone was to bring a bear to your door. Maybe the bear is wounded and deranged. Or think that a moose has risen out of a lake, and on his antlers, he's carrying a child of your own whom you've never seen. Now what does that mean? Asked the white buffalo. Does that make me a father? Well, if you are, you better live by honor. And when someone knocks on your door, can you feel that they're about to give you something large? And so they might tell you that you are forgiven. Or maybe they'll tell you not to work all the time. Or maybe they'll explain that it's been decided that if you lie down, no one will ever die, said the white buffalo. Well, goodness, then I'll lie down at once. You dunce! People will die whether you lie down or not. We must understand. We're not in control of everything. We're really only in control of our actions and the attitude we bring. So then who is it that can tame the mind and lead the way so it knows what to think? Said the white buffalo. Well, come on now. What in the world did you go through? There's a boy inside of us, about three years old who hasn't learned a thing for 30,000 years. And sometimes, it's a girl. This child had to make up its mind how to save you from death. And he says things like, stay home, avoid elevators, eat elk only. Say, you live with this kid, but you don't know it. He's quite uninformed, but he does want to save your life. And he has. Because of this boy, we've survived a lot. He's got six big ideas, five don't work, and right now, he's repeating them to you," said the white buffalo. So come on, tell me already, what in the world did you go through? You want the truth? said the white buffalo. Of course. Then I'll tell you about my youth. There once was a dragon, a big, huge, powerful, grandiose force, and he's got a twin called the feeling of utter worthlessness, and I've always been confused about that. My father was a farmer, and a good farmer at that, so there was a certain amount of dignity in our family, and I was my mother's favorite. Therefore, I had some grandiosity from that. That was the first dragon, and some of that grandiosity came from my father, and some from my mother. Then when I was about ten, we went to a clothing store so they could get me a suit or something like that. And when I saw myself in the mirror, I would fall 15,000 feet. I'd think, now who is that miserable looking kid? You see, that's how I felt inside. I felt utterly worthless from looking in the mirror. And so I avoided looking in mirrors for a long time. And whenever I get into an argument, I might feel grandiose. And every so often, I'd look down and see myself as I appeared to be. Then I'd sink and sink and sink into that worthlessness. And whoever I got into an argument with, 
Well, they were disappointed because they wanted to be in an argument with a real human being. But I disappear into hopelessness. So that kid I told you about, he ended up feeling abandoned and deserted, and he hardly belonged in the family. But this work on grandiosity helped me understand the positive side. So on one side, we can feel very grand, and one side, we can feel quite low. I started to find a unique balance of how it really goes. When I puff up my chest, thinking I'm just great and grand, then if my ego came out, I'd have to remember the hopeless little man. He'd been through a lot. And if I thought of myself as too grandiose, well the dragon would come out and all hell would break loose. Now when I'd feel hopeless, and I'd get really down, I'd liken to my grand nature, and remember how there was quite a lot of good things about my nature that could be found. I'd pull the little guy up, and I'd get him back to level. Life is a great balance, and that's what makes it oh so special, said the white buffalo. So how do you balance this? I persist, said the white buffalo. You're spectacular, and I think everyone should hear this. Maybe, maybe not. But it's also okay if it's something they miss. Grandiosity is great, but we can't get carried away. What if someone thought that I was so great they wanted to put me on a TV show and give me awards because of what I had to say? I'd tell them, well, that's not me. It's God's grace and the grandiosity from above. I'm just the messenger who is here to share the magnificence of love. Now what if someone brought me on the same TV show and they wanted to tear me to pieces? Well, I know I'm not worthless, and so I tell them that all my work is God's grandiosity, but I work so hard as if it isn't, said the white buffalo. And why do you persist and work so hard? What's your motivation in the matter? If it's all God's grace and grandiosity, then why even bother? Because everything comes back. Even the world spins all around. So suppose you have to lose something you love and cherish. Well, before long, chances are that in the next life, you'll call it found. Don't hold on to anything. Oh, I hope you don't get famous. Just let it go, and it all comes to you. I promise. You don't want to miss this, said the white buffalo. Then he pointed to the horizon. Don't you see? That's you, he said. Now who? Your new identity is coming into view. Three, two, one. He paused. Well, I didn't understand. But at least I was present in the moment. And then a moment later, it clicked. Holy shit! I could see how the sun circled the earth, and how this is a journey that goes throughout all time. The way we live each day is the story that we're writing throughout our lives. I could see all of life like a story, and we were living a certain allegory. Some people were motivated by money, family, notoriety, or glory. So whatever your story is, make it a good one because that's when I realized something about myself. It took getting off of my phone to see who I actually was. I'm a storyteller. That's my identity. It doesn't matter if anyone gets my smoke signals or not. 
or whether they listen, because I'm going to keep writing stories. Exactly. Now you found your place. Can't you see? You're a ghost driving a meat-coated skeleton made from stardust, riding upon a rock, hurling through space. Life isn't a curse. It's all a blessing. Live with courage. Fear nothing, said the white buffalo. This moment was so pure, and when I was stuck on my phone, I was lost in a chaotic void. Everyone online tried to prove who they were, but the internet was like a dumb popularity contest, and everyone seemed to miss life's actual point. The purpose of life is to live and to give, not to show off and try to get famous. All that phone stuff just distracted us while the technology stole our attention all in an effort to entertain us. And so there's a difference between entertainment and engagement because out here in nature, I actually feel alive. And so often, when I scrolled through my phone, I'd get lost for hours. And once I snapped out of it, my life felt so miserable as if I wanted to die. Now you're coming into the moment, and this is what you've been missing. Now before long, you'll discover that without even trying, many souls will come to listen," said the white buffalo. But how? They'll tune in from afar. It's not something meant for the mainstream, but rather, we aren't trying to go viral on Tiki Taki or the Instant Gram. And so, what we dream will be redeemed said the white buffalo. Well, go on. What do you mean? Reality is not quite as it seems. Because when you meet a white buffalo, we don't follow ordinary rules, but rather white buffaloes are more like a secret tool that helps the universe reveal precious jewels. That's why you can't get famous. Because if you found gold and told everyone where you found it, then a giant crowd would come take over the land, and you'd get overwhelmed. What good is this secret forest if you bring everyone in? Not so secret anymore. And that's why you've got to let them come to you. When you have the courage to follow your heart, you'll go upon the journey, and it'll all happen for you. The right audience will come at the perfect time. Trust that the deep souls will find us. So no more smoke signals from now on, because the more you write without trying to get noticed, the more you'll be blessed," said the white buffalo. I hear you, but I'm not sure if I understand. Well, that's obvious. You're just a silly human man, said the white buffalo. But if I care so much about the stories, I'd like to give each story life. Oh, you are. Just be patient and we'll see how it unfolds in time. There's magic in this world, whether you believe it or not. So don't get caught in the trends of the modern world. For all those who are trying to get famous and gain popularity are secretly trapped, caught, and confined. Since you found me, then you're onto something quite unique. Why, because you seem to be such a gentle soul, I suppose I could give you a sneak peek, said the white buffalo. His smile was enormous, and he was a goofy kind of guy. But on the other hand, there was a good chance that both of us had lost our minds. By this point in my storytelling path, 
There was nothing to lose. I'd already lost it all, and so what else was there to do? The great white buffalo curled his hands in two circles, then he brought them over his eyes. As if he looked out through a pair of binoculars, he said, Come on, now take a peek inside. And so I leaned closer, when his eyes lit up. Why, I'd seen a spark in him before, but nothing like this. What's going on here? For those who do not understand, then they couldn't conceive how this world is all connected. Once you look through the magic glasses, you'll get a glimpse of how the eternal reality is perfected, said the white buffalo. Now imagine a young man and a buffalo gazing into each other's eyes through a pair of buffalo hand binoculars. Well, I'd gotten so close to him, I feared he was trying to kiss me. But as soon as the day's light was concealed, I was transported to a certain degree, as if I went in and out, up and down, large and small, I was lost and found, macro and micro, mini and mega, loud and silent, a solution in a dilemma. What I saw in this sight was an extravagant delight. At first I thought it was a tapestry or a painting, but then I realized it was the most detailed image of the human cell. Oh wow, we are a work of art. And so we began to go in deeper and deeper into this site. There I saw three great kingdoms before me, one black, one white, one red, and they were all beaming with light. We will proceed graceful, not warlike, quietly, guided by the higher graces of the imagination. We are not trying to attract anyone else upon this journey, but if they are called to join us, they too will find a way in. Anything and anyone who enters your path is there for a reason, so we must maintain a sense of equipoise and equilibrium. Never too happy, never too sad. Do you remember the dragons? We are not worthless, nor are we grandiose. We stay right in the middle of genius and mad, said the white buffalo. But what am I looking into? Alchemy is not merely an art or science to teach metallic transmutation. So much as true and solid science teaches how to know the center of all things, which in the divine language is called the spirit of life. The perfection of this essence is the absolute, the beauty of beauty, the love of all love, and the high most high can be perceived and realized only if consciousness is radically altered and transmuted from the ordinary, which is the transformation of lead, the everyday perception into the subtle or gold-like level of perception. The realization of eternal perfection of everything, everywhere, constitutes universal redemption. Alchemy is a rainbow bridging the chasm between the earthly and heavenly planes, between matter and spirit. Like the rainbow, it may appear in reach, only to recede if one chases it merely in search of a pot of gold. That's why I hope you don't get famous, because you'll always be chasing, never quite fulfilled, always putting on another mask of ego 
to suit the occasion. The sacred secret and ancient science of alchemy is a divine art and hermetic philosophy which conceals mysterious quests in order to discover the very secrets of nature, life, death, unity, eternity, and infinity. The culmination, or final aspect of the spiritual art, is the transmutation process. This is the indispensable part of the great work, or magnum opus. What I mean by this is that there's no absolute ending. Enlightenment is constant awareness of this world as inherently divine, of life as a loving partnership with God, and every moment as an opportunity to offer and receive love. The great work is the creation of man or woman by himself or herself, which is to say, the full and entire conquest of their facilities and future. It is the perfect emancipation of will, assuring him and her universal dominion over the three kingdoms that you have seen. In other words, full power over the universal magical agent. This agent, disguised by ancient philosophers under the name Azoth, also known as Amrita, is the universal medicine. Throughout history, true alchemists are disdainful of wealth and worldly honors. They have actively sought the universal medicine and have called it the fountain of youth, the elixir of life, and the key of immortality in both the spiritual and mysterious physical sense. This elixir would not only cure all ills by uprooting the causes of disease, but also rejuvenate and finally transmute the body, mind, and spirit into an incorruptible body of light. Many are called, and few are chosen. It is only fair to say that very few among the few have succeeded in reaching the ultimate goal. These beings are among the brotherhood and sisterhood of light, said the white buffalo. As I looked through the buffalo's hand binoculars, I saw the three kingdoms. They were the kingdom of the body, the kingdom of the mind, and the kingdom of the spirit. Before obtaining the elixir, the alchemist has to first triumph over all obstacles and difficulties of an extremely intricate process. Though full of promises, these kingdoms are extravagant labyrinths that deter the unworthy. That is why the secrecy was necessary to ensure that the knowledge of devastating and powerful forces did not fall into the wrong hands. This path constitutes challenges to the heroic nature of one who seeks to understand. Each kingdom is a labyrinth that defies linear logic. The assault on the logical sense is made by the Minotaur, who will promptly rout the would-be hero who cannot withstand the attack. Only through reliance on inspired intuition, the golden thread of Ariadne, will the puzzle fall into place and the light replace the darkness. Once the limitations of the body, mind, and spirit are transcended, they are transcribed in fables, koans, riddles, or stories in order to unbalance the intellect in hopes to trigger satori or enlightenment upon the way. In this way, 
Alchemical art is fraught with wonder and speaks in clever and often beautiful ways of thinking about. This becomes a symbolic language in which not a single detail is ever meaningless and exerts a deep fascination onto the sensitive beholder. For someone to realize the true meaning, they must go beyond the surface and enter into the timeless dimension, one which we all may find deep within ourselves. True alchemists do not do this work for glory, fame, or money. They already have everything within and need nothing. They give their goods to those in need. They sell not their secrets, and if they transmit their knowledge to others, it is only to those worthy of possessing it and making use of it according to God's will. They know nature and its operations and make use of this knowledge to serve the Creator, said the white buffalo. And will you lead me? I will be the guardian, but you are your own guide. It is you who must consider the riddle of alchemy and transformation. Indeed, this is the way to life. And so you must begin by taking a long, hard, unblinking look at yourself. As you are the guide and seeker, you will see that the root cause of all the trouble lies in the inward ignorance of that which matters most, one's true self. You must own the total confusion between ego and the higher self that clouds the body, mind, and spirit, and dissipates energy. Imagine how the intuition can sense things within, but the mind must process this inner feeling. When there is confusion between the intuition spirit and the mind, then conflicts, disease, and symptoms will manifest in the body by design. Often man stumbles through life, spiritually blind to causes, struggling with effects. This is often viewed as a mad king who retreats into his palace while his armies fight as he refuses to let them retreat. And when the desperate ministers try to calm down this mad king, which could be the ultimate ego, and persuade him to see the beauty in the world, he would snarl at them. They would try to remind him of the beauty of his palace, of the wonders of the gardens, of all his friends sorrowing at his absence, but no argument seems to penetrate his madness. This mad king would call them liars and accuse them of wanting to rob him of his possessions. Consider this, if what we own brings us not freedom but bondage, then what good is it to us? Anyone who would be free must ask oneself, what am I living for? We are called to shake off the fateful condition that society and religions have imposed upon us, where the three kingdoms are within. Any descent within, any look within, is at the same time an ascent, or a look toward the true reality without. The renunciation of oneself is the source of all humility, as well as the basis of any true ascent. The first step is a look within, an exclusive contemplation of our very self. This is the first kingdom. The second step must be an efficacious look without, an active, autonomous, and preserving observation of the outside world. And we could call this the universal mind, 
or the second kingdom. We shall understand the world when we understand ourselves, for it and we are inseparable halves of one whole. We are children of God, divine seeds, and one day we shall bloom and be what our Father is," said the white buffalo. Then how must we proceed? One must proceed softly, with great ingenuity, he said. Any other advice? Seems like you've got everything down to a science. The great work consists in a manifestation of the fundamental unity of the three kingdoms. In the first kingdom, the kingdom of the body, the work consists of making that which is known or visible into what is occult, or that which is subtle and invisible. Then in the second kingdom, the kingdom of the mind, the work consists of making that which is occult, or the subtle and invisible, into that which is known or visible," said the white buffalo. And the third kingdom, the kingdom of the spirit? We'll discuss it when we get there, said the white buffalo. But how should I even start to make sense of this? Picture the relationship between the highest and the ordinary state of consciousness as if it's compared to a diamond and an ordinary piece of coal. One cannot imagine a greater contrast, and yet, both consist of the same chemical substance, carbon," said the white buffalo. So an alchemist creates a diamond from coal, or in another sense, transforms lead into gold. True alchemists do not change lead into gold, they change the world into words," said the white buffalo. Seems like quite the quest. No mud, no lotus. You've got this," said the white buffalo.